0: No! <laughs>
1: Hello here, and thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montoya. We're coming to you from Orlando, Florida, at the Florida Medical Cannabis Conference here. And it's a really, really unbelievable conference. Um, it's, it's presented by the botanist and Celsius. And it's going to be featuring some really, really heavy duty keynote speakers and some physicians who are speaking here. Uh, I happen to be doing the keynote later on in the day, but. Um, I'm really excited about being here because it's affording us an opportunity to get a chance to talk to some people who I might not have been able to catch. And today we are really lucky to have the assistant clinical professor in the Division of Emergency Medicine through the Department of Eternal medicine at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. He's a fellow of the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons trained in emergency medicine with a fellowship in sports medicine. Internationally known for his leadership in the clinical application of cannabinoids and the founder of Medical Cannabis Journal Club of Hamilton, founding director at the Cannabis Research Associates, associates, a private CRO dedicated to combating the opioid epidemic and advancing cannabinoid therapeutics and open Synergy Health Services. Uh, he opened a Synergy Health Services, a groundbreaking clinic that was first in Ontario, dedicated solely to evaluating patients for the use of medical cannabis. His second clinic, Clinic Synergy Health Services in Burlington, opens in April, on April 19th. So, my goodness, I can't say thank you enough for Dr. Ira Price. Thank you for being here, sir.
0: Thanks so much for having me. Wow, there, there's a lot of things in there I, I've forgotten you about. Forgot about <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, let's, uh, let's see if we can get people to understand who you are, where your background is. So, um, you are a doctor who literally took on, I think, the entire medical profession in Canada by stepping forward and saying, look, you know what, there's something to this thing called cannabis, they were probably saying marijuana at that time, but there's something to this thing called marijuana that has some medical efficaciousness, and I'm going to figure out what it is. Now, what actually brought you to cannabis?
0: Wow. You, he brought up so many amazing points there. You know, and most people, Montel, don't realize that we, we used to use words like marijuana and, and these derogatory racially, you know, inclined terms and and i love people don't even know
1: people don't even know that marijuana was a racially motivated term when it started off correct i love
0: that i love that you recognize that and and you bring that that up and that was really also one like that that was one of the reasons as well that i that i came into uh into cannabis um you know i'm an emergency physician by trade Mm -hmm. uh i'm actually also a coroner in the province of ontario and uh which I'll talk about that a little bit later when I when I give my talk. But I was kind of I was tired. I mean, you know, back in 2010, uh, we were just at the brink of recognizing that there was a an opioid crisis happening. I'm an eMERGE doc, and in the emergency department, just more and more, we're seeing so many opportun- like so many patients coming in, either you know, uh, acutely in acute withdrawal from narcotics, opioids, narcotics, narcotics, synonymous to each other. So, you were seeing people either coming in acutely, an acute withdrawal, acute overdose, drug seeking. And it was really frustrating because our toolbox for the treatment of pain is so limited. It's, it's really, it's t- totally tiny. And not only so
1: limited, but so misunderstood even by the medical profession. Oh, for because, sure. You know, when we look at opioids and then you look at the science and the research that actually started, you know, doctors down a path of prescribing opioids for pain. They were taught initially that that was really a very short term drug, a short term method. And then all of a sudden that short term method became lifetime methods for oh, some yeah. people. Doctors are prescribing it. You know, I think some of the original, um, uh, papers written on it talked about the fact that, you know, a larger dose at the onset of the incident would help the person really forget that pain trauma, which then really helped to alleviate the pain down the point. But what we started doing is giving a little dose and another little dose and another little dose not even really impacting the pain the way we thought it was
0: you brought up again I'm, man i I'm, i love you you brought up some really re- you're bringing up some really amazing points you
1: just so, you, just so you know i want to make sure you if you don't know a lot about me i have been involved in cannabis and cannabis research for the last 20 years
0: yeah well wow. long
1: before it became vogue long right. before people yeah. were even interested in it i got diagnosed with ms back in yep. 1999 and really 2000 officially and you know one of my first symptoms was extreme neuropathic pain and I had the doctors, and, and they, they knew no better, but doctors who literally the only way they thought they could treat me was to try to addict me to as many different forms of opioids as possible and 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 narcotics. I, I was on every set that you can think of. Uh, I, I, even back in 2000, a doctor prescribed for me TaWin. Wow. And A lot of people don't even know what Towin wow. is. There's yeah. a few doctors around today that understand that wow. Towin was probably one of the first— you know, true heroin drugs in the
0: marketplace. It was a derivative, yeah. Yeah, a
1: derivative heroin. And, and and I was taking anywhere from five to six of those a day. Yeah. And to the point that I literally almost shut down my kidneys, almost shut down my liver, shut down my intestinal tract, it, to the point that I had a doctor that stepped up in 2000, yeah, two thousand and a half, about 2001, who said, I'm done with you, Montel. I'm not writing you any more scripts for this because I know you've been, you know, doctor hunting, getting some of these other doctors to write you scripts for this, and I'm not doing it anymore. I heard about this stuff called marijuana. That's what he said. This is exact. This is from a, a, I won't tell you where he's from because I'll protect him, but, uh, from a very, very prestigious university in the United States. He said, I won't tell you, you told me about this, but I've seen some other patients who have similar pain issues that you have with MS. And they have said that this marijuana seems to work. And I don't know what it is. I don't know anything about it. I'm going to not tell anybody I ever told you this. But you ought to go dig in and research and figure it out for yourself. So back in 2001, I started seeking out back then CBD, long before it became, it became cool. vogue, long yeah, before yeah. people even understand Great. even nowadays. Don't even knew what it was. No, yeah, yeah. and you know, I should say I'm a graduate of Naval Academy. I did 20 years in the military You know, I've got an engineering degree. I'm a researcher at heart. So I really dug in and tried to figure out what the devil do I need to do to number one Get off of these opioids. And number two, find some relief, and cannabis was my choice. And that was back in two thousand one, and I have gone. I will tell you, since two thousand one, every day of my life, with putting a cannabinoid in my body
0: every day. You you hit on a, a really interesting point that brings to brings up the concept of stigma. You within medicine, um, back when we started, uh, when you and even today, when you look, you brought the idea of when, when, when opioids were brought to the market, there was this concept that if you hit them up hard in the beginning, they're going to get this effect where they're going to forget about their pain. It's interesting that you mentioned that. When you look at the National Pain Guidelines in Canada on the positive benefits of using a narcotic, <clears throat> the first benefit that it says under the uh, for the for uh, for narcotics is it causes euphoria. Mm-hmm. That's the benefit that it talks about when talking about narcotics. But when you look about the side effects of using cannabis... The negative side effect, the first negative side effect that's mentioned, what do you think it is? A euphoria. Euphoria. Look, it's so strange.
1: How ignorant can we be because it, the same right. doctor's reading the same you, you material, got go home and grab, or grab a glass of wine, right. looking for yeah. euphoria. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, what's the matter yeah. with euphoria? Right. I, I, right. I, 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 all of a sudden, we've got something that seems to yeah. have made people think that euphoria is bad. Right. And, you know, let's back up again. Uh, I like to make sure that, you know, what we do with this podcast, especially with Let's Be Blunt, is I try to bring people information to see if they can help help them navigate, you know, walking into dispensaries, walking into drugstores and places that are selling C B D, help them navigate this landscape that has really just turned into, you know, a muddled pile of garbage, to yeah, be honest with you. Agreed. And and so I want to try to give people information, but they don't understand that you know, cannabinoids have been utilized for five thousand years,
0: more maybe, yeah. and
1: maybe even more. Yeah, but we're starting to find you know, uh, you know uh, pipes and things from five and six thousand years ago.
0: Uh, a, a guy, um, a, f- a physician turned archaeologist, back um, uh, uh, Ethan Russo. I'm sure you may mm-hmm. maybe have heard of him. Well, I mean, he un- unveiled a uh, uh, a, sh- a cave of a shaman from nearly you know yes, thousands and of thousands I read that of years story. ago. We've been using using a cannabis, I mean, is, is in the literature for 12,000 years, whether it was China or India. I mean, that's up yes. for debate, but you know, the, uh, there's some mythology talking about, or whether it, you know, in some cultures, you know, the mythology of, you know, um, of certain gods whose one of their heads was cut off and rolled into China and that's where cannabis came from. That's 12,000 years old, this stuff we've been using for so, so long. And I mean, and the bodies aren't piling up. If, if it was that bad for you, we'd be seeing bodies like piling up to the sky. No Come kidding. on. It's, it's, it, it doesn't make sense what's happening. Really.
1: And, and honestly, okay, if we don't have to go back and then throw people right. off and say, look, you know, go back five, 10, 12,000 years, go back just 50 years. People yeah. don't understand. You know, all of a sudden, this term CBD became this, you know, miracle breakthrough
0: know. in the last three years. It's got a good Excuse marketing me. agent. CBD
1: was discovered in 1940.
0: Right. Yeah, I know. It
1: was verified in That's its discovery in 1946. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I did say four zero. nineteen 40, 1946, or 1943, really verified as an agent. 1949, THC was discovered, but then it kind of sat dormant for about almost 30 years before it was officially designated as a, as, you know, a cannabinoid that was discovered, and people said, okay, well, that's what causes the euphoria part of this. Mm-hmm, must be really bad. Stop with the stupid. <laughs> Nobody said, hmm, when you smash that potato up and mix it and let it ferment, hmm, there's a euphoria involved in yeah, that, yeah. Right?
0: yeah, and it's only in the last year that somehow in the last two years, maybe all of a sudden CBD, uh, you know what, I saw this great meme that showed THC and CBD and CBD with this amazing marketing agent, you right. know, and, and, and that's basically what's happened to it, it. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, and, and we continue to, ignore all the other we know now that there are probably there are over 160 cannabinoids identified yeah. we know yeah. that there's probably going to be about 300 of them identified oh, yeah. when we get to the end of the day and we still don't know and don't pay attention to the scientists we a lot of people in this industry like to quote and and you know call upon Doctor Mashulem's name, but they don't even listen to what he had to say. Oh yeah, and he said unequivocally that you know canna- cannabis is an has an entourage effect. Yeah, yeah. do doing so. Therefore, we need to take a look and see what they do. To each other before yeah. we look and see what they do to us individually. But I'm sorry, I'm no, no, digressing. no. I love it. I Making love sure it. that people get I, some extra I information.
0: I agree. I we be- have to. I believe in the entourage effect as well, and in the synergistic synergistic effect of all the cannabinoids. I'm a whole plant human. I mean, I believe in the whole plant. I think the plant itself is a, is the perfect plant. So, and it, and it, you know,
1: it, it, it wasn't until you know you get into the 1960s and 70s when we realized that we could synthesize things and make. You know, what we think are bioidentical molecules, which aren't bioidentical molecules, we think they are. Uh, They're it slightly t- off, yeah, slightly right? Off. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And that slightly off is something that Changes. your system doesn't understand that's, how to recognize. That's right. How stupid yeah, yeah. can we be? And, and, and we've been down this path. It's not like this is something new. Go back 40 years ago when they came up with Marinol and tried to figure right. out if there was a bioidentical THC. There was not. That's right. There wasn't. Yeah. And we know it wasn't. We know that that doesn't have the same reaction in the human body because the body doesn't recognize it. That's right. And oh. as much as we try our best to adulterate this plant, strip it apart and turn it into something that it's not, we're... Are going to continue to go down this path of, and I want to say, I think there is a concerted effort to do it this way so that in someone's mind they can disprove the efficaciousness of a full plant that works right out of the ground, which would therefore yes. impact. The ability of pharmaceutical, economics, it's it's all about economics. Uh, Nobody really wants, especially when you look at what's happening in Canada, what's happening here in the United States when it comes to the medical marijuana programs. With medical marijuana programs. Yeah. The programs that they have the fact that they call it medical marijuana told you that they did that way to it's a so it fail to begin with.
0: Right. Yeah. We finally changed that in Canada to cannabis, but I mean, how long did it take me, you know, standing up there waving the banners of all different colors, flags, to finally get the uh somebody to listen and, and, and change it? I, I, I'm sorry. It's, I, it's crazy.
1: I digress too much and let's go no, back no, I to love you this. telling the story. So when did this no, start for you?
0: That's i this is the story though. The story is is the story of cannabis cannabis is the story of of people and of in my mind it's a story of democracy the only, the truth is the way that cannabis you know cannabis legalization happened in canada it wasn't definitely not a top down approach uh, it is now but it had nothing to do with governments wanting it done healthcare definitely didn't want it pharmaceutical done pharmaceutical industry
1: definitely didn't oh, yeah, want it Oh
0: yeah of course not i mean it was the economics of it was was just too much but the people said i've had enough correct and the people made a change and so in my mind this is one of the reasons i also got into it cuz i love that the people were actually able to affect change. and They said, I've had enough.
1: That affected change in you because you had people coming yeah. to you asking you questions and, about, hey, doc, uh, what's this stuff called CBD?
0: Yeah. What, what's this
1: stuff? Is? Do you yeah. think that marijuana thing can work? <laughs>
0: right? They weren't even telling, you know, it's funny. They didn't, back when we started, they, I mean, nobody, even though the research was there, people didn't want to look at it. It's confirmation bias is what I call it. It's right. uh, in, in science, we have a concept of um, when your value system, your belief system is how you identify the world. It's the way you look at the world. So no matter what evidence put before you, you're going to be like, mm, yeah, it doesn't really change my mind. Right. We call that confirmation bias. And that's what healthcare was at the time. Nobody wanted to look. The blinders were on narcotics, narcotics, narcotics. Or, I mean, it's not just narcotics we do for pain, neuropathic pain. You're probably on anti epileptics that are sure. on all these, you know, uh, all the drugs, that anti seizure drugs, all these things that we are off label, definitely right. not on label, you know, and, and we pump them through, through people. And, and I mean, the side effects kill you. I mean, you you have, but, but where, but why are those blinders on? And that's the confirmation bias that slowly is coming away. So when I started, I was, I was tired. I was tired of listening to, uh, Uh, to the, to, to other physicians. I was tired of listening to like the system, the system of saying, we're just going to pump people through. And what do narcotics do for people? They bring you into yourself. They, they, they cause depression. They cause, you know, in, in, you know, uh, testosterone. Yeah. It's like in, in, in men, they bring your testosterone levels basically to, to nothing. Uh, your sex drive goes away. Your relationships goes away, go away. You stop working. Like there's so many problems that we had with narcotics. There had to be another way. And funny enough out of the blue, I get a phone call one day, friend. This is back in probably 2010. And I, I get a phone call from a, a friend of mine and says, Hey, do you, and I was, uh, I was a young, you know, a young bright eyed physician. And, uh, but I had also never done really well with listening to people clearly. And, um, and he said, Hey, do you know, uh, do you know anybody that, uh, do you know a psychiatrist? What do you need me to, why do I need to know a psychiatrist? He said to me, uh, well, we need somebody in this country to prescribe cannabis, but we don't prescribe it at that time. I mean, we... We still don't. At that time, you were making an affirmation. Or a recommendation. Okay. Right. So Same tur- thing in the United it, States. It turned into a recommendation. The affirmation is where it started, which is so strange. It was, I affirm that you're using cannabis. A patient would come to you and say, I'm using X amount of cannabis a day. And, and the physician would say, well, I affirm that you've used cannabis. Like I don't know. Somehow we became a gatekeeper. We're not human anymore. We're put on these pedestals. And, uh, and so, I, I mean, I just had enough. And I said, you know what? Well, uh, I mean, this is something that I'm definitely interested in. But there was no experts, so I basically had to teach myself. And I looked for there were researchers, but there were no clinicians, right? Right. So, theor- in theory, people were looking at cannabis. They're oh, it will help with this, it'll help with that. There were people doing one offs here and there, but there was nobody on a, a, a you know in our in our area or in our country that was doing it on a long term basis, willing to come up. And so, and at
1: that point in time when you started doing this, there there was already <clears throat> fifty years, forty years of research that had been done in the United States at the University That's of right. Mississippi. 40 years of research around the being world funded by the United States of America. and oh, Israel. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the U.S. has like patents, U.S. Patent US, US filed yeah. its own patent that's that right. It gave itself in 1999, affirmed in 2003. <laughs> but literally, the U.S. has gained a lot of people just tuning in right now. Yes, that's a fact. The United States government has its own patent on cannabinoids, and did so, did so back. In 1999, it filed for those patents and that, you know, that patent number, if you want to know what that
0: number is, I'll give it to you. Patent 507.
1: Uh, 665. Stay with us.
0: We'll be right back. the red
1: life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step by step every single week.
0: I thought the end of it was
1: five oh seven. Six six 507. Yeah. Yeah. Six six oh three five oh seven. 507 it's crazy. And that patent, in that patent, if you look up the patent itself, it'll tell you on, you know, a page on the front page of the patent application, it has something called the abstract. And in that abstract, it tells you what the United States government had affirmed after thirty years of research, yeah, what it believed cannabinoids could do.
0: So why is it still illegal? Huh? It's, it's because they
1: recognize as much that it could do. That's right.
0: I'm with you on it. Totally with you,
1: and and the fact that you know, just like the main reason why most people don't even understand why cannabis ended up being illegal in the world, it was because of an aggressive United States of America banning it after it wrote its own, you know, law back in nineteen, let's see, thirty-one, which was the Marijuana Tax Act. Yeah, yeah. And that Marijuana Tax Act was written. So, uh, and remember, it wasn't the Marijuana Drug Act, it wasn't the Marijuana Psychotropic Effect Drug Act that wants to save human beings. It was the Marijuana Tax Act.
0: Interesting, and why? right? Because they yeah. couldn't
1: figure out how to tax a product that you couldn't track seeds on.
0: Yeah, you know, in Canada, interesting enough, we we also led the charge on on criminalizing cannabis. Yes. I mean, we have a dark, dark history in the early 1900s, full of discrimination, basically against the Asian population during the, the opioid uh, riots, all that stuff. But you. You know, in the 1500s in Canada, it was mandatory that if you owned more than 60 acres, you had to grow hemp.
1: Same thing in the United States of America. Most people don't understand the entire Revolutionary Army was clothed in hemp. Of course, every tent, every every rope, every sail for sailing vessels was made out of hemp fiber. Uh, You know, uh, uh, even the Masons um, in in George Washington's Mason group during the Revolutionary War
0: he grew hemp. He he grew grew hemp, hemp, but he
1: also (laughs) had hemp tents yeah the tents were made to happen you know a lot of people don't recognize excuse me. this but to, to excuse, a lot of people don't recognize but you know uh one of the rituals of the masons is to walk around with this little lantern and you know just just diffuse some uh what they think is incense that was hemp being diffused in tents yeah, back then amazing. so it, it just it, it got to we got to stop with the stupidity yeah and recognize that you know, this was something that, and they we tried to replace hemp with cotton. Figured out that that didn't work either.
0: Yeah. So there's nothing quite as durable.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah. And then we look at right now. I think um, Levi jeans has just decided to go back to hemp fiber
0: for its jeans. They're making hempcrete concrete yeah. oh, for make, homes, correct. Right now, and I don't it's, know. It's amazing. People don't understand
1: that that you can use the cellulose material solidified, and it is probably one of the best mediums for electrical storage yeah so we're make there's two companies have gone public in the last year making hemp based batteries
0: yeah it's amazing it's amazing crazy so all right
1: so you you decided okay i'm gonna do some research yeah you did the research and what did you come away with when you walked out did you feel like you know why people i'm a doctor they should have taught me this in medical school
0: you know it's funny i i didn't even know that Yeah. that we had an endocannabinoid system in 2010. I I, there wasn't a day that I learned about it in, in in medical school, in residency, in anywhere. I had no idea that this thing even existed. You're talking 2010, and and we know that we discovered the first 2009. But 2009,
1: they discovered the first receptor of the endocannabinoid system in 1988. Uh, Yeah, uh, second receptor in like 1997. Our body, yes, our body's made this way.
0: It's we we've got the endocannabinoid system is probably like the the uh, the one of the largest, most complex systems that exists within our body that they've been researching forever it's basically you know call it the master regulator of bodily functions right. and yet i didn't learn a single word about it when i went to school and i'll tell you any physician prior to me learned zero about it and i mean How about and, the and fact the, that even though you learned about why, it in
1: 2009 i'm going to guarantee you that now maybe only the physicians that are present here recognize that the literature has been out there, but I talk to physicians on a daily basis who don't yeah. have the slightest idea None. what I'm talking about when I say yeah. endocannabinoid system. Yeah. They are completely clueless because the majority of medical schools do not do anything at all to research that system.
0: Yeah, I went around... And the
1: most important system in the body.
0: I, yeah, I, I'd agree. Uh, I went around from, which is how it started to develop in Canada through medicine, is I, I went around to different medical schools and started lecturing to, uh, to Students and to residents, and I mean, i've I've taken I've taken a lot of uh, a, a lot of backlash in the beginning from uh, from doing what I was doing, but uh, people started to slowly recognize. I think the more progressive we became, and the 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 new physician coming out is 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 different than the um, standardized previous generations you know the industrial revolution changed one major thing in the world and that's standardization and standardization became the basis for medicine and we needed that at a certain point in time because you had to standardize you had to lose that individuality a little bit and you had to standardize the way things worked we we standardized you know we standardized how cars are made we standardized industry and then we standardized medicine
1: and we yeah we we wanted to make sure we took it out of the
0: kitchen that's right we and and but at the same time you lost that individuality and you with there's you know either you're going to be standardized or you're going to be an individual and now we're moving back to that individualization. We've had enough of these twelve different, fifteen laundry list of medications that have standardized our our, our treatment plans, and we're saying maybe it's individual medicine. And people are coming around to that now. And cannabis really fits into it, which is one of the reasons why physicians are so have such a difficult problem with uh, with cannabinoids. And I don't blame them. We're so used to medicine having nine medicines to treat one disease. How many medicines are you put on for, for MS? How many p- medicines are you put on for uh, chronic pain? How many medicines are you put on when you have high blood pressure, diabetes? You're put on five, six, seven different medications. You're over 65. I guarantee you you're on more than you know four or five medications if you have one disease problem. Cannabis comes around and it shifts the entire environment. It says... I got one medicine to treat 10 diseases. Right. And so that shift, that shift in people's minds, specifically in physicians, it's difficult to wrap your head around.
1: And you know, but I, I kind of, I, I wonder though, and I think a lot of the the false information and the propaganda that was put out about oh, yeah. cannabis is part of the reason why that attitude is there because, you know, I, I, doctors accepted, you know, aspirin. Right. They accepted aspirin. Aspirin was made from willow bark. Right. Back from, you know, 1901. And doesn't have a DIN
0: number. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It's Not a, from, from 1901 to about
1: 1920, yeah. people were making their own aspirin right. in their kitchens, boiling right. the willow bark of the tree out <laughs> in the yard and killing themselves because it. they You're were green. bleeding out. Yeah. Right? So then somebody said, wait, you can't do that. So you can't make any more aspirin at all in the world. We're going to have this company called Bear do it. And... Um, It was not even a scheduled drug. Yeah. Until what, five years ago, ten years ago?
0: Right. Well, it's still over the counter. It would never be today if it wasn't back then. It would correct. You know? Kills more people than cannabis every day.
1: Kills more people. It's the only drug in the country, in the world, that you can literally send a child down to a drugstore and can purchase. That child can purchase it, come home, take a half a bottle, and be dead on your
0: kitchen floor. It's also the one drug killer. So there are, we have a list in medicine, in the eMERGE, the different drugs that kill people from taking one pill on the pediatric list, on the kids list. It's a one pill killer, aspirin. And you just, in your kitchen, can you just go over to the store, buy a bottle of aspirin? Correct. And seeing a salicylate. Overdose or an aspirin overdose. I mean, these things kill people very quickly. Yes. You know.
1: Yeah, but I. But I. But somehow it's okay. It, 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 but it freaks me out though yeah. that there are still doctors who are so adamantly against the science.
0: So confirmation bias is what. Yes. So that's the the stigma that happened because of the reefer madness and mm-hmm. because of the way that they were brought up. I'm sure we all come to the world with our own biases, the way we see the world. And physicians are no different, right? They have these biases that we somehow we slowly have to we have to chip away at. And those are the things that I've been, you know, that I work on. Uh, I go from their angle. I come into it as a physician and I talk to them about the science. I'm an evidence based physician. Hamilton uh, McMaster University is the is the, uh, the we're the founders of evidence based medicine. Harvard has based their medical school on us, and you know the the rest of the world has adopted evidence based medicine. Gorgaite and all these guys, the the evidence based guys, and so So what I've Tried to bring to the table uh, over the last decade is evidence-based principles to plant-based medicine. That's how we're going to make this change, right? We no longer have to be in our kitchen and doing individualized medicine under the covers. We can bring individualized medicine with those evidence-based principles without doing massive randomized control trials. These randomized control trials that that everybody talks about, we can't use cannabis because there aren't massive randomized control trials. Who invented that randomized control hey, trial? The pharmaceutical like industry. Yeah, of course. So- to that, keep everybody else out because they're too expensive. So they think,
1: That's right. So
0: has <laughs> a bunch. Right. So now we're doing, you know, you know, the research world looks at serial N of one trials. So I'll take lots of one individuals. And if you look at like
1: lots of N of ones, there are hundreds of thousands right. of Ns and put, of ones and in and the put world. Those,
0: right. And put those together. So yes. the research world's looking at N of one trials now. Serial, we call them serial N of one trials, but they, they look at it in the cardiology literature. They look at it in the respirology literature and somehow it's okay. Cannabis, we're not really sure how to do it how do you pl- how do you blind somebody to cannabis no cannabis i'm doing that in my studies now somehow in order to get din numbers they want these rcts with with placebo effect or placebo uh, arms does that make really any sense no because no. it's got to be real life you need functional outcomes you need real life um real life data real life research and so it's just it's a total shift it's a paradigm shift and it's difficult but for but when
1: you say a paradigm shift this is one that's you know a government's from the FDA yeah. to you know uh uh the Canadian the regulatory oh, yeah. offices you know people don't want to hear N of one they no. want to hear it. they want you to have spent something. yeah mean, i'm involved in a medical device company right now that's that's literally deployed over 100 million dollars right now we got full right. clearance in Canada right now we are treating patients in Canada in seven different different centers of excellence across the country. Seven of them, right now, the United States of America just denied us FDA approval for a class two device. Really? Yeah, only because (laughs) and and are expecting us to spend another 50 to 60 million dollars to do another randomly controlled trial for something that really does no harm. They've already proven it doesn't harm. They've already given it class two status. So why can't we just help people? We can look at cannabinoids are, and understand that in the history of mankind since the dawn of man no one has died from an overdose yeah not one individual has died from an overdose no. and, and
0: directly no, related to it anyway yeah correct now we yeah. do
1: have one death one death in the united states that now people claim it was directly related eh. with, we're not even sure if that yeah, was true or not. i don't know that was a mold-based uh, problem that, that had something to do with the negative effects of a pre-existing okay. condition
0: but who? it's still one person You know, 100% of people over the age of 65 are going to have a significant side effect to a narcotic. I don't understand the concept anymore of somebody saying, oh, it causes the side effect or it's caused one death. It's okay. I'll show you. The one death every single day, three every three hours from the opioid. As a cor- as a coroner, you know uh, Ontario has the largest uh, coroner service in North America. So we have to be a physician to be a uh, to be a coroner in our province, and we go investigate death. And you know, unfortunately, the city that I live in has you know relative per capita has the largest problem of opioid abuse in the world. Right. Canada has the largest opioid abuse problem in the world in general, and then Ontario, the largest within it. My city happens to. Be within it the average in florida for example is seven deaths per hundred thousand the earth sorry five deaths per hundred thousand ontario uh its average is seven my city is 15. Wow. Uh, and so it's pretty high i'll tell you every one in three at least one in three of the cases i'm going to see as a coroner is directly related to an opioid so if you tell me there's been one death i'm sorry that happened and it's it's really unfortunate and i'm sure there were other circumstances around it because i guarantee you probably wasn't a simple case of oh i you know i vaped too much or i smoked too much or ingested too much there is probably something else around it but it happens it is a drug after all there are side effects we have to be careful but on a re- on a scale and not even relative scale on an absolute scale, you're talking apples and oranges
1: correct no answeranthrop pots oh, yeah. you know, i I was uh, fortunate enough to you know I've done several shows with Dr. Oz in the United States, yeah. one of the first shows to actually take on cannabinoid or cannabis. Five years ago, I did one that really, I think, was one of the shows that actually helped to stem the tide in America, because when we walked out of that show, show aired three times. And at the third airing. You know, it it changed the people in the United States in polls from under 50 percent of people supporting a medical marijuana initiative in their state to over 71%. Um, but then I also did with uh, Mehmet three years ago, one of the first shows done nationally on cannabis as an exit drug for opioid addiction. Long before it was being talked about on the yeah. air, we, I sat down with him at. Brought, we have brought a two doctors on that had done some research and understood very clearly that you know opioids. I mean, sorry, cannabis could be an, an exit drug for yeah. opioid addiction, uh, and yet still now today we're just now starting to hear yeah. people catch up.
0: It's you know that's what I'm talking about is cannabis for opioid substitution. That's really where my my heart is because you know I see we see it so often. Um, And, uh, you know, we're just, I'm just, I'll tell you about the stigma around it even, even just talking about it in the literature becomes difficult. So we just finished a uh, 1202 patient study on uh, cannabis for opioid substitution. It's an observational cohort. So real life patients Uh, overall, there was a 82.5%, 82.5% of patients who were in the study were able to reduce their uh, opioid use. Fifty-eight uh, percent of them were off of them one hundred percent within a year. Getting that published is super difficult. Oh, I bet. So this, we we go to the two top journal. There's all you want to go to a high power journal. The the second highest power journal. I, their their response was well. There's too much bias. You used cannabis patients sorry what like so what, what patients am i supposed to use well, the, the patients that aren't using cannabis right. like, it, you know it, you know so you know the the stigma that's still around it and uh even better story than that is i was looking for a physician to work in our clinic
1: well but, but i mean you know, part of that and, answer is also because of the price tag uh, basing opioids compared of to course, cannabis Scott. yeah yes yeah,
0: sure. <clears throat> you know uh, this the stigma just still exists out there it's definitely decreased when i started i was looking at about a 97 percent self-referral rate over to the clinics, um, and, and now I'm looking at about a 99.5 percent of patients are referred by other physicians to the clinic. They've had enough too, right? right? People are starting to come around. They're seeing the the toll of narcotics and neuroleptics and anticonvulsants and and blah blah and muscle relaxers. You know, benzodiazepines are are probably more dangerous than narcotics and, and alcohol combined. Been,
1: since the whole discussion, <laughs> no one's talking about, about it. Really, since the whole discussion about opioid addiction, you know. In national, in the U.S. national media to date, in the last three years. The benzodiazepines, benzodiazepines muscle relaxers. The muscle relaxer, that the prescription of those has now quadrupled.
0: Oh yeah, and they're worse than they kill. They kill the same way alcohol kills. Right. They work on the same mechanisms in your body that alcohol works on. Opioids kill you if you overdose and, you're, and you and uh, you you know they decrease your respiratory system. But you take too many you take too many uh, benzodiazepines or muscle relaxers, you die in you die from withdrawal. You don't die die from withdrawal with an opioid with a narcotic, but you die from withdrawal from from a muscle relaxer in the same way that you can die from alcohol withdrawal. And people aren't really talking about that yet. But one of the major things that cannabinoids do, they act as a muscle relaxer, right? Because mm-hmm. cannabis can do that. CBD can do that. Even THC at certain levels does that. And different, you know, other cannabinoids sure. do as well. But we haven't, we haven't really started talking about that too much yet, but it's coming. The problem the problem is legalization itself has really taken away a little bit of the medical talk. Why? Because of the economics right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's becoming so- indif-
1: Difficult. as soon as we started to legalize then everybody's uh, you know attention went from research to how yeah. much money can i make it,
0: yeah it's not that's you know it's like it's like it's like
1: conferences like this i love the fact that we're getting together but you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who show up to conferences like this just trying to figure out how can I make more money?
0: Yeah, when they come how in. How can I
1: make more, a bigger buck? They're not here because, you know, one of the things that I've said since then, the and again, I've been advocating for cannabis now for yeah, 20 years from state to state to state to state to state helping states. A lot for, longer than right, I. Write right legislation, helping people. Because I, I feel very, very strongly about the fact that I have a right to a, my own personal conversation with my
0: doctor. Yes. I don't
1: need anybody else to be in the middle of that. That's right. And, you know, so if a doctor has the right to prescribe for me You know something like uh, you know uh, uh, chemotherapy that will burn me from the inside out, and he's supposedly educated enough to understand what those benefits and risks are for that. If that same doctor who's studied and understands cannabinoids recommends that to me, how dare you get in between me and my doctor?
0: It it becomes a really big problem federally. I was just talking to another physician here uh, uh, yesterday. Federally, you know, because it's still illegal, although now somehow you you can economically interact with cannabis now in 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 the United States you right. can you can do uh, money transactions yet it's still illegal anyways um the the physician is 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 really scared you know and and there's a big discrepancy between government and regulatory bodies. They're basically right. the, uh, you know, they fight with each other all the time. Uh, and they're all trying to figure out their own way to a common path. But in the meantime, who's being forgotten? The patient. Craig, Leave the patient,
1: I was to say, and, leave the patient on the battlefield.
0: That's right. The, the The patient sort of gets stuck in the in the middle here and, and going, yo, what about me? I'm the one over here that, you're, you know, that that needs this. And you have the physician saying, I'm just trying to keep my license. And you have the regulatory body saying, I'm just trying to take it away. And a Government saying, "Well, it's all illegal, and you're all going to jail." So, and, and the patient saying, "But I'm the one dying, and don't you all represent me?" And so, it becomes a really big. It's a big problem. It's a big cluster right now, you know. And and that's what we're trying to 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 get around. Now, interesting in Canada, you know, I had a good friend of mine, uh, Abby. I'm sure you may have probably she's maybe been on your show. Who knows? Abby Roach, good friend of mine, started a company called Hotbox Cafe in Toronto back in 2003. The first uh, the first cannabis lounge in in North. America. And, uh, uh, she just, uh, it was in Kensington market. And she said, the, um, the revolution is over. Join the evolution. So right. now we're in the different phases of cannabis legalization and cannabis progression. And there's, you know, and I'm hopeful that through the evolution, much like somehow when alcohol prohibition ended, you know, we used to have to go stand in these lines in the stores and there was tin foil covers over them. You give them a ticket and they give you a bottle of beer. You know, eventually these things will hopefully change. What I hope we don't lose is that cannabis is, is a medicine and cannabis can revolutionize uh, the way that we treat both, both from a physical and a, um, and a, like a, not a metaphysical sense of, of medicine. Cause now the plant itself teaches us that collaboration is key. We have medicine has this concept of this big, you know, I'm the paternalistic, you know, ancient patriarchy, take your pill, go home.
1: Cannabis so take the pill only if I've isolated that, right. that one right. component and yeah. make sure that I will have a patent on it. Yes. Take the pill, right.
0: take the right. pill. And, and cannabis comes around and says, well, I'm a plant and we have to work together. And the uh, only way we're going to succeed is if we work together because everybody dose is slightly different. Here's a little template and that teaches medicine. And that's difficult for physicians too, because imagine you're a patient or a physician and your patient comes to you and tells you there's an endocannabinoid system and you feel like an idiot because you had no idea that it existed and your patient knows more than you do. And physicians, you know, we're uh, by nature, we have a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of ego involved. Involved and uh, and you know and they and they get defensive right away and so they say no. It's not because they necessarily want to say no; it's because they become defensive. Correct. So these are the barriers to access we're trying to break down that I've been trying to break down for about a decade.
1: And I mean, just talk a little bit more about the difficulty when you go to conferences like you're speaking today. You'll be speaking here in front of probably a room full of doctors and physicians. Yeah. And so you know these are guys who again you're, you're preaching to a choir in a sense when you're here. Right. But. What's the difficulty you run into when you go to, like, say, a university and and put on a lecture and there's a, the room full of people who are not, yeah, you know,
0: you know, this cannabis is cannabis backers. This is uh, this is exciting. This I mean, uh, this is easy. Reaffirming. Compared, this is reaffirming. Better word. This is reaffirming and 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 a lot easier to talk to here at a at a conference that is. Based on cannabis, and you have a lot of cannabis advocates at. Uh, it's a lot easier than when I when where I usually where I started, and I remember my first <laughs> my first lecture. Uh, so I've been doing I've given hundreds of lectures since like let's say 2011 is when it really started. My 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 major first lecture was uh, emergency medicine grand round. So like all the physicians from the whole region show up, and they sit around this table and 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 you're talking about cannabis and and at the time we were using. Uh, the word marijuana. Uh, first, we didn't, you know, and and the way to destigmatize then was putting an H instead of a J. Like we were still trying to do things, and I mean, these guys would sit around and uh, they were literally yelling at me as I was, you know, as my conversation started. But what I loved about it, some of my favorite lectures are where I have these guys who are just about to retire; they could care less about what uh you know wow i haven't sworn and i usually swear like a mam so i'm mm-hmm. super like conscious about that because cool. <laughs> i was about to do that again and i'm like you hmm, probably shouldn't do that right now anyway back to what i was saying you know these guys sitting out there these old guys just ready to retire in their late mid 70s physicians don't retire they die when they retire that's basically what happens to them and so these guys sitting there when you start oh i want nothing to do with cannabis and uh, i'm too old to make a change and and i don't i don't uh, you know i don't care what you say you can say whatever you want i've had guys like literally during lectures say that and you know but by the end they're the guys with their hands up right. saying sorry you say you you can help with you know gastric acidity you can get my it's weird out of all things like family physicians somehow love getting doctors off of Proton pump inhibitors, the antacids that stop like the that stop the acid from building up mm-hmm. because they have they have side effects themselves, right. you know, and so for some reason, they're like, oh, you could get my patient off that. OK, well, I'll give it a shot, you know, and all of a sudden they see like the 10 other medications coming down, at least going, you know, minimizing or decreasing doses of them. They see their patients going back to work, being productive in society, like, okay, oh, maybe it's not so bad. And those are the conversations that I actually love to have when they have these doctors that are, ah, I don't care what you mm-hmm. say, and all of a sudden they start changing. But I mean, when I started, I basically felt like I was waving the banner of every Color of the flag, staying in the middle of a highway. So I always explain it, and cars trying to smash you, coming on either side, and you're dodging. And, and that's what it felt like for probably I would say seven years. It wasn't until like 2017 that physicians started to pick up on it, and uh, in in a in a large way, in sure, a in way. a positive way, mm-hmm. and and that's because of the work like yourself and other people around you know the country and and North America started to buy into it because they had enough. Right. And and really, the opioid crisis did start helping, but we've had an opioid crisis for so long. And sure. and it's, you know, it's still rising. I mean, you still it's it's it hasn't gone down. We're still we're still going in, in the wrong direction. Well, you know, we're
1: such media junkies and we're yeah. such and, 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 you know, I, I, I often give credit to and I think he deserves it is Sanjay Gupta for his special that he did, but his special also did as much damage to the plant as it did good yeah. because it identified this chemical CBD and everybody jumped on and down on his bandwagon to CBD, 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 CBD CBD, as ignorantly as possible. I I had a conversation with Sanjay and if you looked at his last special that he did, which was number five, you know, in the last five minutes of that special, he went back and retracted what he had said earlier about... THC being bad, but nobody really caught on to that. They barely. They, it was such a small segment where he's offered the fact that now there is some research saying that THC may be a compound that we need to pay a little bit more attention to. Stop! We pay we, a little <laughs> bit more. We've been paying more <laughs> attention to it for the last thirty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's so unfortunate. How many more
1: years? I It, so it, it drives me nuts. Yeah. I, I, absolutely, I absolutely go crazy when I want to do yeah. a you know a podcast with a doctor who comes in as well. You know, Montal. I mean, I think this is something that we just really have to have more research on. I mean, research. Is, Uh, Excuse me. I know. Uh, You're a doctor, and you go to CMES. uh, You understand it. You could just go back and request all the data from the University of Mississippi alone. I'll give you a year's worth of research to look at right there. There's
0: databases on data. There's more research for cannabinoids than there ever was for a narcotic. It's been out,
1: and and it's not like it's it's you know narcotic research is probably you know I'd say 15 years. You know, and it's still no good. It's still no good. But but the last 15 years, there's been some really good research done on narcotics. Research is being done on cannabinoids for since 1940. I know.
0: It doesn't make much sense, right? Our world is. But but, somebody's
1: just said, but we need more research,
0: really.
1: Well, when when they say that, I'll ask the same question. Did you know that CBD was identified in 1940? Yeah oh, uh, no, no, it was identified in the last 10 years. No, it wasn't. It was identified in 1940.
0: Yeah, yeah it, got a, it got good PR in the last 10 years. Yes. The, you know, physicians ask me, oh, so, and even, even, you know, general public come up to me, oh, yes, you're a physician, you prescribe cannabis. Oh, you prescribe the CBDs. They can't see CBDs. It's CBDs. Yeah, yeah CBDs. C- <laughs> it's CBDs. It's somehow the <laughs> yeah. CBDs. It reminds <laughs> yeah. me of my football players. I used to work with uh, pro football as a team Wait, doc.
1: You do work <clears throat> in professional. I do, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about
0: and, that. And when, so the And one of the major reasons I started getting into cannabis was actually because of, uh, the, 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 I was working with the CFL, the Canadian football league, because of the footballers that would come in and it's not their fault. It's a systemic issue that starts from college onwards, even high school onwards. Coach says, go, go, go. You're injured. I don't care. You got a head injury. You got an arm injury. Oh, let's inject it. Let's move on. And there's always the fight. But these guys after a game would come in and they don't even know the name of their pills. They'd doc, give me the home plate. Yeah. and they're looking for their muscle relaxers, right? Sure. Because it looks like a home plate, and they would just be like, Indoxion. and these things are handed, I'm all like, look, why I, are we doing this? I've
1: been interviewing uh, <laughs> several football players, especially this last year, and, you know, I mean, look, we had big Super Bowl, and now all of a sudden the NFL and the United States was talking about expanding the number of playoff teams so that they could have more money, yeah. have more games out, yeah. but what people don't understand is that these guys line up in a line before the game, to walk past a doctor who shoots them in the butt with Tramadol yes. so that they can go out on the field and yes. get their heads busted just uh, for your enjoyment.
0: And an anesthetic in the shoulder. Correct. And the, and yeah. Oh, yeah. I, guess I see it all the time. This but is... that
1: same doctor would say, no, I don't want him smoking right. or utilizing any cannabis at yeah. all. What, excuse me?
0: Yeah. They don't talk about the GI bleeding, the gut bleeding you get from, you know, Toradol all but you know, that, that kills more people a year than, than even yes. like just an NSAID, just a regular Advil kills more people than, than, than cannabis yeah. does. Absolutely. Insane. I mean, it's kind of sad. I mean, you, you have to laugh at it at some point, but the, this, yeah, it, the stigma is real and, and, and we see that. And that was actually one of the reasons I got into it. Cause I saw, I saw this happening. I kept going to the doc, like the, the head team doctor, who's one of my mentors He's been doing, he was with the team for 49 years. He's uh, an amazing human. And, and, but yet, you know, the, this is the, the, the standardization. It was like the passive pass these, these little envelopes were going to players and, and, right. and just so that they can play. And, you know, I finally go home, and smoke a joint, Brian. correct? Like, just go home and, and, and see what happens. And all of a sudden you see like the rest of what I could do that talk. I've been told. And it, you know, until like. Uh, cannabis is allowed in the CFL and it's, uh, you know, especially on off season and, uh, and, and they weren't testing for many things until a couple of years back anyways. Um, and so eventually you start seeing players be like, it's all I really needed all right. i really needed and and the question was why and so we started looking into all those things too yeah, you
1: know and the research is already there it states that's that right. there is a neuroprotective ca- yeah. capability in cannabinoids that we haven't really researched the way we should have oh yeah it should be but we know that it
0: exists the plant itself is a perfect uh, um omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acid we know omega-6 both of them omega-3s are neuro are, are neuroprotective exactly. right I and mean, the plant itself just eat the dar- darn plant that's why this plant is is a really excellent you know, it's almost like a perfect plant. The whole thing can be utilized and it teaches us so much. Um, and we
1: know that back in before 1900, I mean, majority of people in the United States and North America and around the world consumed a porridge. If you had a yeah. porridge, it had hemp seeds in it because people, when they first identified the fact that hemp seed had was one of the highest protein laden seeds on the planet, they started eating it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Plant based diet. It's just, it's hard for physicians to bring their minds around an idea that a plant can, in its natural form, most of our medicines come from plants, right? right. Uh, and, or but, synthesized from or, plants. Right, right. Or synthesized from plants, but it's hard for physicians to believe that a plant in its original form and, and and is is useful right. you know cuz otherwise you're talking about natural paths to traditional right. md's you know you know that you say natural path and you think uh you know anti vaxxers and all right. this stuff that's crazy right. but it's not necessarily true you know and so uh, uh and so that's the education, it's just it's education sure. and it's smart education and it's people talking about it in an intellectual way and it's decreasing the stigma and st- not using words like marijuana and stoner and weed and 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 bringing it really to the forefront in Correct. In a professional way that's really helping to make change.
1: So, and I think that's probably worth still, but still again... One of the biggest issues with the entire industry is the lack of education, not just mm-hmm. from the physician standpoint, but also from the consumer standpoint.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, you know,
1: we fail to educate the consumers out there and make them understand the viability of this as a choice that they want to make. And that's again why I do this. So, tell me a little bit about Synergy Health Services.
0: Oh, so, so Synergy, I mean, I started Synergy, that was the, the clinic that I opened back in uh, 2000, and I think it was probably 2011. Um, I initially worked out of a pain clinic funny, I was kicked out of the pain clinic for prescribing cannabis to patients what yeah that's yeah it, it's really unfortunate. I got this nasty letter from uh from the owner of the clinic where I was working prior to and seeing patients and helping them get off the narcotics and said, oh well uh i mean I keep they I keep wanting to publish that letter uh you know you've got patients outside that uh that, that are, you know, partaking in, in marijuana and we don't want that here and we're gonna, we're asking you to leave. And so, yeah, uh, instead we're gonna shoot you up with drugs and sure. call it a day. And so I, I went and opened up a, uh, a clinic, uh, but there were no clinics in Canada at the time that were doing it on a long-term basis. There was one out of, um, out of British Columbia, um, uh, the Vic. out of, yeah, out of, there
1: was a, uh, um, the Victoria Ter- Island, one of Victoria Ter- Island, Canada, 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 compassionate
0: club there is they've been yeah. oh there compassion clubs have been there for a very long mm-hmm. time but physicians doing it on a regular basis out in the public okay in the public side didn't exist okay there were compassion clubs were there far before i was there and there was advocates that you know whose shoulders i stand on and paved the way for you know me to do what i did and I'm i'm grateful to them but as a physician there were no physicians in the clinical setting that were saying cannabis, cannabis, you know, mm-hmm. let's get them off that. There were researchers, uh, you know, that were out there doing a lot of research, but not prescribing it on a daily basis. There was a guy by the name of Kevin Canerva, an amazing guy had a clinic called the Do No Harm Clinic in Victoria, British Columbia. And he was, uh, he's an amazing guy, but his college stopped him. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't blame, I don't blame any physician for stopping when they're told to stop because their license is on the line. Mm-hmm. College, you know, asked, you know, my legal, I've been investigated for eight years running because of what I do. Sure. And, uh, and, and I don't blame the college for trying to figure out, you know, where, you know, they got caught in the cluster of this whole thing as well, but I didn't stop. And, uh, and, and so I started Synergy, which initially was, we needed, we needed a place for patients to come and the community to come to one, get access to, to create, you know, to create guidelines. And so I did create some standardization within the industry while maintaining an individualized medicine plan for patients and, uh, and, and so we started off as this clinic that was dedicated to decreasing the barriers to access for cannabis in Canada. And it was, and I had patients coming from all over, all over Canada at that time because there was really nowhere else to go. And I, and I believed in in in, in applying evidence based principles and not just you know these docs on the corner that were, oh hey, what should I give this person? Okay, here's twenty grams a day. Go right. grow yourself three thousand plants, and you know. And so I started creating some standards, and that's what synergy was really recognized as. Uh, and eventually uh, realized that you know cannabis isn't the goal; cannabis is the modality to get to the goal. And the goal is a functional life, is improve, improve functional outcome. Are you functional again? Are you going back to work again? Are you able to walk? Are you able right. to get out of that chair and be active and do you know speak to your family members and your loved ones? That's the real goal. So eventually I sort of transition synergy into a natural pain and wellness center where we work with different modalities like mindfulness training and using cannabis in that setting. And, and eventually I'm going to move into other plant-based medicines mm-hmm. as well. And uh, because I, I really believe we can bring those back. It's just hard for, you know, people to come around to it, more clinicians to understand that plant-based medicine and natural, you know, pain, natural remedies and wellness is an actual thing in medicine. Medicine is so focused on disease treatment, disease treatment, disease treatment. And at one point we had to. People were dying of polio. People, we needed those treatments, but we, we, we're we beyond that now and we need to progress. And so right. that's hopefully, you know, and that's where Synergy sort of sits in that in that closing those gaps.
1: So you still have one one office open? I have
0: re- two. two. Yeah, no, Synergy, the Burlington Clinic actually opened in April 2017. Uh, okay. okay. Um, but again, I, I never really focused on the economics as much as the uh, Rising Tide Floats All Boats... Kind of thing mm-hmm. where I, I spent my time educating physicians and, and really growing my competitors so that they, you know, that they would come out and, and start educating. You don't have a movement. If you're one person, then you're just a crazy person. Correct. And I was tired of being the crazy person. So we had to, uh, I mean, I still so am, but, yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, you know, I started educating other physicians who opened clinics and then other people. And, and then eventually the, the tidal wave took over. And, uh, and so uh, yeah, I opened two clinics and that was, uh, you know, that was it, you know, that, that was it for me. Cause my time was spent, you know, educating other physicians and, uh, and consulting and stuff like that. But I still, I've probably seen, you know, patient visits. I'm probably about uh, over 120,000, you know, uh, over the last decade wow. and, uh, and, and still going, you know, I've cut back a little bit on how many I see, how many patients I see. And now with legalization, it's, it's a little different, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, that's where Synergy, that's where Synergy was. But
1: even with legalization, what, what was so weird to me is that, you know, again, we went directly to legalization and stopped educating.
0: Oh, it's, so this is the, like, and you, when this is actually what I wanted to bring up when you mentioned it. There not many companies see the value still don't see the value in education they don't want to spend their money on educating populations media even their own educators who aren't educated in some of these companies and everybody all of a sudden is an expert right. they've been in the industry for a year how <laughs> can't
1: tell you can't tell anything past <laughs> cbg right yeah and
0: that's right. it yeah yeah oh, they're what even uh, cbg yeah. is like huh? let's let's not go that far <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've gone down the hole they don't know what <laughs> yeah. that is yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. they're still saying cbd's
1: i've been oh, t- i've God. been talking about it, 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 what's really kind of crazy is i gonna tell you, like i I have my own brand. Yeah. Uh, I've had a brand now for four years, and well, you know, four years. And when I first introduced that brand, I went to a contract manufacturer and had a partnership with them. I'm about to do shift over to a different manufacturer now, but the initial conversation I had was that all they wanted to say was CBD, 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 and I was like, "Calm down,
0: yeah, dude, that's good."
1: It's really nice, but I don't want to make a formulation that is a broader spectrum. And I really think that what we're going to find out, and you're going to find out in the next year, and I said this four years ago, in the next year, you're going to find out that there's another cannabinoid called CBG that's going to end up being more important than CBD, or at least as equally as important, especially in a, you know, if you if you want to make sure you have a broader spectrum and interaction, you're going to need CBG. Well, what's this CBG? There's nothing like CBG. Then now now all of a sudden everybody and their mother that's it's all they're the, talking uh, about now. The, the,
0: the synergistic effect and yeah absolutely it's crazy. It, it's unfortunate. I mean it's yeah. it's fortunate we're still moving along, but you know the 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 experts in the field they're they they've been in the field for two years, right? And and, and it's you know it's sometimes it's it's frustrating. Right. You know, seeing this, you know, when I, when I come to conferences and everybody's the damn expert and they're all spewing some literature, but don't, you know, like, like yourself, don't have that, don't have that grounded understanding of cannabis. And, you know, it's just something they read yesterday and all of a sudden they're the expert in right. it. And it's, and, and it's it's super frustrating seeing that sometimes. I'm glad that they are talking about it at least and they want to be in it. Right. But, you know, I talk about mindful consumption. It's, sure. a, it's a concept that I talk about when uh, when talking about cannabis, but it applies to the whole industry. You know, you're in your intention has to have purpose. Right. You know, if your intention is to get high, I mean, you can, that's still a purpose behind your intention, but the 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 intention of even the economics of it, you know, it's for the betterment, I think. And that's what cannabis is really all about. And, and, and we're losing that.
1: I also think that what people don't understand, especially when we even think in terms of this recreational or just legalization for recreational use or adult use, people don't understand a person who makes a choice to consume cannabis over alcohol, let's say. Nine times out of 10, may may not even know that their reasoning is medically based to begin with. Yeah, I don't believe that there's really that many recreational users out there. I think that they're all a, a, a medical patient that's looking for some cessation of some symptom that they don't get from other things that provide them a euphoria. So yeah. I make a choice but to stop drinking, you know, five shots of alcohol all night and, and shift over to cannabis because it made me sleep better. Yeah. I woke up without a headache. Well maybe the underlying medical reason was I didn't sleep good to begin with.
0: I think there's one good reason to use cannabis recreationally, and that's to get high. Right. And other than that, mm-hmm. and and that's and that's fair.
1: And even if you do do and, that to get high, and other you than, made
0: the choice that that high is better than a beer high, right? Right. Or you just enjoy it, like that's Correct. okay. That would be the and and there's nothing wrong with that. Anytime somebody tells me other than that, it falls under medicine.
1: Yeah, and you know, but but even even when I look back, I got I got to tell you though, so from my perspective. Let's go back in time. Let's go back again to, to that 1590, right. 1601, 1602. People were wiping their butts with leaves, man. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on. There was no air conditioning. There yeah. was no heater. Yep, 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 You know, I got up in the morning and, and I tell you, I got, t- I got up in the morning. I had sugars. I had bites all over my body. I didn't feel good. right. And I wanted to feel good. Yeah. Now you might say I wanted to get high. No, I got tired of scratching. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so yeah. there was a reason why we were using this thing. I mean, life was not pleasant yeah. back 400 years ago. People yeah. might lie and think it was. No. You had no toilet. I know. You had no bathroom. Yeah. You had. And everybody drank beer. It's funny. Every, um, everybody, most people don't even recognize the fact that water consumption back then was near beer. You know every water that was consumed was processed with alcohol to yeah. kill the bacteria yeah. that were in it that were causing people all this dysentery and all this other crap so you know, people were walking around there with a mild.
0: And they were dying when they were yeah, 25, 30 yeah. is the average age. You know, it's funny. You remind me, it's totally off topic, but when people talk about nutrition and we talk about like, Oh, this is what we did when we were cavemen. And when the, this is the uh, plant based medicine, everybody did, or the, the meat people, when we're talking keto or plant and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is what we did 400 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, you also died when you were 20 years old. You're right. lucky if you made it till you were 10, right. you know, like, I mean, we, we need, we need to understand that it wasn't all, you know puppy toes and rainbows. Correct.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll talk, we're almost out of time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's coming next? What what do you think? What's some of the new cutting-edge research that you're doing?
0: Well... uh (laughs) you know, cannabis is, uh, is evolved. And I mean, my goal now I think is, uh, is evolution to, is, is evolution <laughs> right. and, and the evolution of cannabis, I think goes into all of plant-based medicines as well. I'm moving into psilocybin mm-hmm. as an area of research as well. Um, and, and that's because, you know, for hundreds of years, we've been using these things of medicine, uh, using these, these products as medicine, but we haven't had the opportunity like we have now, which is to apply evidence-based principles to them. So everybody until this point was like, ah, oh, it's just that. And then, you know, came a hundred years ago with the institution or the industrialization and the standardization. And now with evidence-based principles, everybody got so focused on these on, on uh, pharmaceuticals, but we forgot about the plant-based medicine. So now we're at a point where we have that opportunity. We have the opportunity to apply the same principles that we did to pharmaceuticals. That were killing people to plant-based medicines, and that's really what my goal is. So the first thing that I fo- and right now what I'm focusing on the study that I'm doing is cannabis for opioid substitution therapy. Put on by this uh, sponsored by an LP licensed producer, the guys that produce cannabis called NGC Northern Green Canada. They uh, and we're looking at you know what cannabinoids. Initially, we were looking at uh, at does cannabis help and which which chemovars or strains. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about chemotypes and chemovars. You know, like overnight, everybody became the goddamn expert again. And nobody like, wants <laughs> to recognize the fact this all started yeah, with seven different right. plants, probably it's seven so, or eight. So nuts. And
1: all we've done is it's yeah. just, it's like what color uh, pink
0: rose? Yeah, I know. All <laughs> All of a sudden, people are talking about this. It's it's insane, and then they sound like, "Oh, we're the genius because we're using these scientific words." Anyway, so right. we're looking at these strains. Let's call them strains. I don't I don't care. Um, and uh, and and we found a specific formulation that we're going to be putting into uh, into trials to uh, to to now see if there's a causal relationship between decreasing opioids and cannabis use. Mm-hmm. And that's really like where my goal is is to is to decrease. You know, is to play. Like just play my own part in decreasing the uh, the crisis that we find ourselves in now, and bringing plant-based medicine a safer alternative into medicine. While at the same time understanding that medicine is is not just this ancient patriarchy, and it's a collaborative process. And I'm going to empower patients to make their own decisions, and I'm just here to help them. And so that's really what I'm trying to do within medicine right now. I mean, unfortunately, the economics in Canada and everywhere else, everybody's trying to uh, everybody's trying to make a buck. And when you think about making a buck first, you're going to implode and, and you got to do, you got to hit the passion first and you got to have, you know, you got to care about your, your patients first. I always talk about patient product profit in that order. And, uh, and, and you really need to focus on that. And so I'm really trying to do that. Now the industry has basically imploded on itself in the last two months in Canada, everybody's fallen apart pretty much, you know, legalization sort of, you know, brought on a whole new slew of problems and, and the, the industry, starting to correct itself. For me, I think research and data is the key. And uh, in real time, so functional outcomes in real time, not in a laboratory. Mm -hmm. You got to do your studies in in the community to find the results. And that's really what I'm trying to do. And sponsorships for studies is really difficult to come by because LPs in Canada are just trying like they're trying to make their bills tomorrow. They're Mm -hmm. not seeing two years from now. They're just trying to grow cannabis because they got no money for research, even though that's where the future is. So trying to raise funds for research. And I, I truly, 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 truly believe that they're... You know, cancer—it's not—it's not prime time right now. You know that using cannabis to cure cancers, but I do think that we can revolutionize medicine with cannabinoids, and that we can get there if there was enough money put into it, and studies were were ongoing, specifically around glioblastoma yes. and stuff like that. That's really where my my thought is, and that's and that's where I'm heading. You know,
1: mm, that's unbelievable. If only somebody want to get more information from you or about you, where do
0: they go? Well, I think uh, Instagram is probably the best place, Doctor. Okay. Dot Ira Price. Uh, that's where. Uh, I am on a, a daily a daily basis. You can also watch. I have a podcast called The Higher Estate. There you go. And uh, we talk. We bring in physicians and we bring in people and educate Talk about education. Absolutely. Those are basically the two places I, I'd say. Instagram is probably the best to start. Cool. Doctor. Dot Iyer Price, and you can find out what uh, what else I'm doing over there.
1: Well, sir, I can't thank you enough for being here and being a part of living. Uh, Let's be blunt with Montel, and you know I'm, I'm out of time, so I want to make sure that you know again. If you want to get more information, it's
0: uh, Doctor. Price. Dot
1: Ira Price on oh, Instagram. Yeah. Going up and get some more information, Madam. Really, really wonderful to have you. I want to have you back sometime.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. We this have so much more excellent. to talk <laughs> about. Like tons, <laughs> tons I, more. It's an, enlightening to see to see what you're doing and the impact that you're having. You have right. a voice that hits millions of people, and you don't see it every day. Thank people you, willing like yourself to come out and do that. So Absolutely. that's incredible. Thank well, you.
1: I thank you, and thank you again for tuning in to Let's Be for My Montana. Make sure you know that you can just click on right here in this lower right-hand corner, and you can subscribe to the Let's Be Blunt podcast and uh, make sure you do so, because if you subscribe and you write a review, you will then have made yourself uh, 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 available to be able to win one of our magic butter makers. Oh, yeah, $200 value. All you got to do is subscribe to win.